Hello, and welcome to this podcast. I appreciate everybody tuning in. My name is Ron Greenwald, and I am here with a good friend, Coach John Cantera. Everybody in San Diego knows or does know who you are. And Coach, this podcast started as an idea of helping navigate people in their senior years have the best and highest quality of life. We're going to kind of take it into a little different direction, having somebody of your caliber here from a standpoint of everybody knows who you interview, but they don't know who you are. (laughs) So we want to go back to the beginning, if we can, so, so to speak, and let us know who you are. Well, Ron, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I, I was born and raised in Solana Beach, born in Old Scripps Hospital, uh, raised in Solana Beach um, to uh, uh, an Irish mother who grew up in Cleveland, good Cleveland. Midwest values. And I grew up uh, with a father, Yugoslavian, English was his second language. My grandparents came through Ellis Island from Yugoslavia. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from both my parents uh, about hard work at an early age. My dad ran... Uh, a couple of uh, bars that are, are still uh, going. Uh, we don't own them any longer. Lucadian, which my, my dad actually started with his brother, and uh, that's still going strong. And we also, uh, back when I was a uh, senior in high school, we took over the Cardiff office right next to VG Donuts. I think anybody in, in town knows about that. And we ran that. My dog is named VG. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, my, my dad worked really hard and he actually worked too hard to be honest with you, but that's all he kind of knew growing up in a, in a family that, uh, he was born in, in Globe, Arizona. They moved to Madera and they were basically farmers. And, um, you know, they just tried to do the best they could. They eventually, in late 1945, 1946, they moved from Madera down to Lucadia. And uh, that's, they, they started it with, a, with a, uh, a place where people could uh, leave their, uh, you know, their trailers. It was called, um, uh, I can't even remember the name that it was called. Oh, Ace Auto Court. And then my dad wanted to market, so they started to market. Then they started Johnny's Beer Bar, and then they eventually made it into Lucadian, where for many years it was just uh, you know a regular bar. And then for a short period of time, they made it into a restaurant. And the reason for that, my dad always wanted to have a restaurant, but my dad was working 16 to 18 hours a day. Uh-huh. And when I was getting about ready to start high school, he... Now, where did you go to high school? Well, I'm going to tell you that okay, in a second. Okay, I'll okay. finish about okay, my dad. So- so my dad said, you know what? I can never see my son play, and I want to see him play. So that's when they decided to get rid of the restaurant, same building. They knocked out the wall. They put in four pool tables, went back to a full-blown bar. Uh, and that's when it was probably the best business decision, but it was also the best thing for him health-wise because he wasn't working 18, 19 hours a day and then you know getting home, getting three hours, four hours sleep, and going back to work. I mean, he was just that type of guy. So... I went to high school. I grew up, like I said, in Solana Beach. Beach. Went through, you know, Solana Beach Elementary School, Skyline Elementary, Earl Warren Junior High School. Then I went to San Diego in 10th grade. San Diego. Okay, I went to San Diego in 10th grade, and then Torrey Pines opened up my uh, junior year, because I lived in Solana Beach, I went to, to Torrey Pines. And to be honest with you, uh, my brother had gone to San Diego, and it was a great school, and I had a lot of friends, but going to Torrey Pines, going to a brand new high school, uh, it was a breath of fresh air, not only socially, um, but I think athletically, it, it was really good. We had new coaches, we had you know new uniforms. It was just a it was a really motivational thing, 
And uh, you know, I had a great uh, had a great career at Torrey Pines. Had a lot of fun and, and did real well athletically and good enough academically to to move on to college. And where did you play in college? College. Well, I came out of a Torrey Pines. You know, I, I played my junior. Year, I played three sports: football, basketball, baseball. In those and, days, you could. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my senior year, I didn't play football because I'd had some knee surgery. Uh, at the end of baseball the prior spring, and I was a real good basketball player. I was fifth in the county in scoring my junior year, and I didn't want to take a chance of getting hurt because I knew going to college I was going to probably either be a basketball or baseball player. And so I, my senior year I played uh, basketball and baseball, I had a good year in basketball, I had a better year in baseball. I was all CIF, and our team did really, really well. We got beaten in the semifinals for the county championship, and we were only a second-year team. It's the first year we ever had seniors, because the first year we had no seniors. And so I finished my high school career really, really well. And I went to, I, I could have gone some other place, but I went to Maricosta. And the reason I went to Maricosta, there were two reasons, very simple. Number one, the basketball team, they run, they run and gun. They, they'd get up and down the court. And you've got to remember, this is before the three-pointers. And, but I was a long-range shooter, even as big as I was, I was a long-range shooter. And so I like the run, gun, and have fun type of mentality than a lot of coaches back in the 70s that you wanted to make 12 passes before you could take a shot, and it better be a shot from 15 feet or in. I'd have never got off the bench. Times have changed. Yeah, I would have never got into games then. And I remember one time in particular, my brother went with me on a recruiting trip to Mesa College, and the coach was talking all about defense, all about defense. And then the baseball coach came in to talk to me. And we're walking across the lawn to the parking lot after uh, uh, this meeting with the coaches at Mesa. And I looked at my brother. And I go, there is no way I could play at this school. I got to go to Miracosta. Not only that, Miracosta, because it was the run gun. And, you know, you, you put the ball up. And you go to the boards and hammer and you go for it uh, full bore. The whole conference was like that. So, I mean, it was really, it was a lot of fun. It was fun to play basketball. Because basketball can be tough when you're just kind of grinding it out. But the other reason I went is because they had a legendary baseball coach, a guy by the name of John Seeley. And uh, I remember when Coach Seeley recruited me, uh, I already kind of knew I was going to Maricosta because I'd had a couple of people, uh, a guy named Greg Nelson and Brad Mason, guys that founded Donjoy Products many, many years ago. They were guys from Carlsbad. And Greg was the branch director at the Boys Club in Solana Beach when I was a kid growing up. And Brad, for a period of time, was the physical education director. And Brad played at Maricosta, as did Greg. And so when Brad was playing, he'd come pick me up as a 13-year-old kid and take me out to Maricosta to watch basketball games. Wow. I knew about the Maricosta baseball program, but I hadn't talked to anybody. So my friend, Ben Gallo, who went on and played about seven years of professional baseball, we went out there to watch them play this last, they were playing a doubleheader. And they needed to win one of the two games to win the league championship. We're seniors in high school. And we're standing along the first base rail at Maricosta out there at the Oceanside campus. And Coach Seeley walks out and says, hey, you two guys, I'd like to talk to you guys after the game. So, I mean, I don't know if he even knew our names, but he knew who we were. And so we, they win the championship and everybody's jumping around. And next thing you know, we're in his office. For like two hours after the game, and he's talking to us about coming to Miracosta. Well, that that sealed the deal, and uh, it was two two incredible years because my two best friends were going there. One was the center fielder and Ben Gallo. The other was the second baseman Scott Mitchell, who went on after playing uh, at Miracosta. He went to Utah. 
uh, worked for the Pac-8 in those days for a year, and then for 35 well, plus years. We're reverting years, back to that. Yeah, for 35 <laughs> plus years, he was an associate athletic director, marketing director at UCLA. And so, you know, all three of us have done very well. Ben, for a number of years, worked in the car business. Then he worked for about nine years as a scout with the Washington Nationals. So all three of us guys that went there, you know, we, we started our college at Maricosta. We branched out. Ben ended up going to San Diego State, playing with Tony Gwynn. Uh, and played on some good Aztec teams, and Scotty went to Utah, and I went to, to USIU out of there and played basketball. I was going to play baseball, but then I hurt my knee, and I couldn't play, and that's how I got into coaching. So take us through that. I mean, you have done so many different coaching. I mean, you were the coach. Well, I don't, do tell me. I, I can't well, you know, I when I came out of Miracosta, I, I was really playing well in basketball and in baseball, and I had I could have gone with Scott. Mitchell to Utah. I had about, when I came out of high school, I had one scholarship offer, and that was Ben Foster down at Point Loma College, which is now Point Loma oh, Nazarene. Scholarships were not prevalent like that back in the middle 70s, and I graduated in 76. And Coach Seely had told me, he goes, John, if you come and make my ball club, I'll, I'll get you a scholarship somewhere. Well, uh, two years later, Ron, I had 35 scholarship offers from a variety of different schools in two different sports. And I had a great year at Maricosta. I was voted the college athlete of the year my sophomore year at Maricosta. And the year before, I had won. I, I'm very fortunate. I won the two most prestigious awards they give to athletes, the Leadership Award my freshman year, and I won the Athlete of the Year my second year, which, you know, was really good considering I'd been hurt. Uh, it's kind of a weird story. I, I didn't play, a, or I didn't practice a lot my sophomore year in, in junior college in, in basketball because I was hurt. But I would play in games, and if I came out, my knee would stiffen up, and I, it'd be hard to go back in. But I ended up averaging 37 minutes a game, and there were like seven games. Where, yeah, I never, there were seven games in a row where I never came off the court. And uh, I mean, it's you know, only a forty-minute game. Yeah, I know. Well, I didn't come out. <laughs> yeah, and, and on the year, I ended up averaging thirty-seven minutes a game, which oh. nowadays they don't let you play more than about thirty-four unless you're some superstar. But yeah, I was a pretty good player, and uh -huh. so I go to USIU, full ride basketball scholarship, and uh, I uh, get sick, and I miss a couple games. I come back, start playing pretty well. We had a head coach by the name of Mike McDonald, who was a really good guy, a real good guy. And uh, I got I got to tell you how I got recruited by USIU because it's a really funny story. Okay. And one of the great stories of all time. I went to school with a guy named Rick Winnett, and Rick Winnett was playing golf at USIU. And he goes into the basketball coach, because my J JC team was going to play USIU's JV team one night. And Mike McDonald, at this time, was the head coach of the JV team at USIU. So my buddy goes into Coach McDonald's office about two or three days before we play this game. And my buddy's going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go up to that game next Wednesday night. My buddy plays for uh, uh, Miracosta. I'm going to see you guys play against them. And the coach is like, you know, you're a golfer. Get out of my office. Yeah, I'm busy, you know, blah, 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 blah. So the following Wednesday, we play them, and we blow them off the court. I, uh, I go for 20 points on 10 or 13 shooting. I have 16 <laughs> rebounds, okay? 20 points and 16 rebounds. So my buddy, like two days later, goes into the office and says to Coach McDonald, he goes, yeah, I went to the game the other night. My, brother, or my uh, buddy had a really good game. He goes, who's your buddy? And he goes, number 54. 
He goes, you got that guy's phone number? <laughs> That's how I got recruited to USAU. Because I had other scholarship offers, but, and the reason I went there, at that time it was an NAIA school, small private school, and that's more kind of me. And uh, it was important for my mom and dad, it was important for me, for my mom and dad to be able to see me play because it always supported me so well. In Solana, and you're living in Solana Beach. Yeah, I was living, I had a place uh, in my scholarship, I had a, a place uh, on campus there, but more times than not, I'd come home. I'm in mean, 20 minutes away. I mean, you gotta come home for mom's cooking. <laughs> Okay, so go through the college and we okay. can... Okay, well, my, my junior year, I, I think I ended up, I, I don't know, averaging about seven and a half points a game when I was playing about half the games. I Games I started, I played really well. My last college game, I had 18 and 10, and uh, I thought I'd come back the next year, but I had uh, hurt my knee. I mean, I was dealing with a lot of knee problems, left knee problems, and uh, I did things back then that I wouldn't do now because I'm a lot smarter. <laughs> Uh, my knee's probably in better shape now than it was when I was 21 and 22, but I took, uh, over a 10-week period, I took five xylocaine and cortisone shots. Every two weeks, I'd go in and get shot up till I could finish. Oh. So I finished the year playing well, and I finished the year as a starter. And we had a terrible team. Coach McDonald got fired um. after one year as the head coach. Wow. And all of a sudden, uh, they were going to make it into a Division One program. And I had the ability to come back and play if I wanted to, but I wasn't, I wasn't healthy enough to play. And they said, hey, you can either play or not play, but we'll honor your scholarship. Well, that was great, and that's what ended up happening. But I also went out for baseball. And I, what happened there, and this is when I got into coaching, as I went out to baseball and I was doing a, a little drill they call pickups where they roll the ball right and left and go back and forth. And I went to my left and my knee buckled. Mm -hmm. And I walked over to the assistant coach. I go, I, I can't play. I can't play, and then two weeks later, I was on El Camino Real in Encinitas, and Craig Scoggins, who was my high school coach my senior year, saw me as I was getting my 1965 uh, Volkswagen cleaned out, nice, real nice, and he goes, hey, I heard, John, you can't play this spring, we'd like to come out and coach, and that was 1979, and next thing you know, I'm coaching there three years, I was still going to USIU, getting my teaching credential, and by the time I, um, was getting my teaching credential. Coach Seeley, who I played for at Maricosta, gave me my first college job in 19, the, the fall of 1981. And then I was there for three years. Then I went to Southwestern in 85 for a year. We broke all kinds of records, had a great team, set the school record for wins. And then I got the job at Texas Tech University. Texas Tech. And what brought, how did, when did you come back to San Diego? Well, what happened, uh, the year before, in 1985, when I was at Southwestern, Texas Tech had just a miserable year. They had uh, uh, set their school record for losses, not exactly you know something you want to hang your hat on. So they hired me as the recruiting coordinator and assistant baseball coach. And the year that I was there, uh, we set the school record for wins. And the head coach, who did not get along with the athletic director, got fired. So I'd only been there for a year, and we set the school record for wins, but even uh, setting the school record for wins didn't save the head coach. So here I am at you know 28 years old with a wife and a seven-year-old daughter and a one-year-old daughter, kind of wondering, you know, what am I going to do here? And uh, I'd had a couple job offers back here, uh, one at San Diego High School, the other um, was... Uh, outside of, of San Diego, and I knew I wanted to come back to San Diego, 
And uh, when I came back, I told him I was going to come back. Sandy Guido said, no, we got to open the job now. And then Tory Pine's job opened simultaneously. And so they made, they said, well, if you're going to come back, you got to apply for both jobs. Oh. So I, I'm, I'm coming back. I decided to leave Texas Tech because they, they lied to me on what they were going to give me. They, I needed more money than they were paying me because I lost the free place I was living because of the other head coach. And when they, they kind of double-crossed me, that's when I told my wife, I go, we're going back home. And so when I come back, they tell me I got to apply for both jobs in the district. So I figure I got to get one of the. I got more college coaching experience and background in baseball than three guys put together usually. So Sandy Guido interviews me. And one of the guys that's on the interview committee is a guy named Leo Mullen, who the field's named after, right, right. whose son had played for me in junior college, Sean, and I got him a scholarship to Long Beach State. So I'm figuring, I got to get this job at San Diego. Well, I don't get the job at San Diego. I apply at my alma mater, Torrey Pines. They have 15 people interview me. I don't get that job either. And I go, you got to be kidding me. Well, the problem was everybody figured I'd just be there for a year and then I'd go uh, back into uh, college uh, or into professional baseball. And uh, so anyways, um, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. really know what I'm going to do, Ron. I mean, I, I'm uh, sanding walls at my uncle's house in Lucadia trying to help him out. Uh, you know, I was going to substitute teach. Uh, you know, I really didn't know what I was going to do until because it was a really bad time. It was like in March. Right when, you know, baseball season's kind of started. This is 1980... 1987. Okay. So I went up to Torrey Pines High School, and Frank Chambliss, who had been my coach my junior year, uh, he goes, hey, John, why don't you come up to Carlsbad tomorrow? And uh, I go, what time you guys play at 3, 3.30? Yeah, 3.30. I go, okay, I'll, I'll come up. I got nothing else to do besides Sam Uncle Andy's walls, okay? <laughs> so I go up there, and about the third inning, I'm standing in between home plate and the third base dugout and Frank comes up to me and looks through the chain link fence to me and goes, hey, do you want to coach this year? And I said to him distinctly, I go, Frank, I would love to coach, but I can't come out here for five or six hundred bucks. I, I got to make a living. And he goes, well, there's a guy that wants to talk to you. I, I go, well, who's that? He goes, a guy named John Lynch. I go, what's um, he do? He goes, well, he owns 17 radio stations. I go, what, what, got a phone number for me? <laughs> so that was on Wednesday. So then I go over to John Lynch's house on Sunday, and he just happens to live in Solana Beach. Yep. I had no, no idea who this guy was. I'd heard that there was this really good kid in Solana Beach who was a good athlete and that. So we sit out on his patio. I had a suit on. You know, I'm looking sharp. And he goes, come down to the radio station on Wednesday, and we'll figure out exactly what you're going to do. 690? 690. 690. Yeah, it was 690 Extra Gold. Irv Harrigan, Paul Bloom were the morning show. Those guys played a part in my career, too, and I'll tell you about yeah, that. So anyways, I go down there on Wednesday, and I show up to the reception. I go, yeah, John Cotero to see Mr. Lynch. Everybody's looking at one another. <laughs> and they go, well, Mr. Lynch ain't here. I go, well, he told me to come today. Well, he had to make an emergency trip to New York last night, <sighs> and he won't be back until tomorrow. And none of these people knew who the hell I was. And so, anyways, I go home and tell my, my, I walk in, my wife goes, how did it go? I go, well, it didn't go. She goes, what do you mean? I go, he wasn't there. I got to go back again tomorrow. So I go back the next day, and he's there, and he goes, look, he goes, I don't know exactly what I'm going to have you do right now, but I want you to coach baseball at Torrey Pines High School with uh, Frank Chambliss. Uh, he goes, take a month off. He wrote me a personal check, and he goes, get those guys ready to play. 
Well, later I find out his son's on the team, and his son's a tenth grader and really good, My and a son. great and a great kid, future Hall of Famer, right? And a great kid. So I told him I'd do it for one year, okay. And I turned down oh, so I, I turned down a, a job with uh, the Minnesota Twins, a scout, and they at the last minute they wanted me to move to Orange County. I go, I'm not going to do that. Well, I'm going to I'm going to follow this up. We'll get back into Johnny and baseball in a minute. But I'm not there for six weeks coaching baseball. And I'm walking out, and I got my fungo bat, you know, you hit ground balls with. I'm walking out to practice, and the football coach stops me. He goes, hey. He goes, how would you like to be the freshman football coach next year? And I go, how do you know I know anything about, you know, coaching football? He goes, well, you know, I just thought, uh, you know, everybody says you're a really good coach. And, and, and can you believe a, a guy can coach anything if he works at it? I go, absolutely. I go, I played. I go, my brother played. My dad played college football. Sure. And let me let me check at home and I'll, I'll get back to you. So I became the head freshman football coach. Ron, it's not two weeks later. The basketball coach does the same thing. I'm walking <laughs> out to practice. And he goes, hey, he goes, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I go, sure. He goes, hey, uh, I just want to see, how would you like to be the freshman basketball coach next year and work with me on the varsity with all the big players, the post players? And I go, well, how do you know I know anything about basketball? And I had seen this guy coach the prior year when my daughter was being born because we had her born here. We didn't want her born in Texas, so I was home, and I'd gone to watch them play. And I knew they had some pretty good players. So I go, well, how did you know I know anything about basketball? He goes, well... First of all, he goes, a lot of people talk about you around here. And number two, I found out you're the, the first really good basketball player to come out of Torrey Pines. I go, that you're right about. <laughs> so I went home. So it ends up within about six, seven weeks, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not teaching school. I'm working from six to one, uh, six in the morning. And they are paying you. Yeah, yeah. And John Lynch is paying me pretty oh, much. Oh, right, right. Plus the school paid me a little bit, but John Lynch paid me more. Uh, <laughs> So I was working from 6 in the morning to 1 in the afternoon, and then I was going to coach. And I was coaching three teams or four teams in three different sports. And, and I coached seven more. I coached a total of seven years of baseball. I did uh, three years of football, two years of basketball. And then I told Frank in, in, uh, early on, I gave him two-year notice that I was going to coach my oldest daughter in softball, and I coached girls' fast-pitch softball for two years. At Torrey? At Torrey. So how many years in... I'm, I'm, I coached 17 altogether. At Torrey? Well, at Torrey, I, mean, oh, I coached okay. uh, 10 years of baseball, two years of girls' softball, three of football, and two of basketball. And so... So when does when does radio? So John knows. I mean, obviously John okay. knows. Okay, I'll, I'll back up. Okay, nineteen eighty seven. Because I mean, just nineteen eighty seven was the year I moved from Orange County to Los Angeles. I mean, to San Diego. Okay, and we were still an oldie station. Right. Okay, Paul Bloom, Irv Harrigan Morning Show. John Lynch goes to Irv Harrigan, who, by the way, is in the Radio Hall of Fame. Goes to Irv Harrigan and said, "Hey, this guy that I'm coming in here knows a lot about sports, and I want you to get him on the air and on on Saturday or on Friday mornings, and I want him to do something on the Charger pregame show. So every Friday morning, I'd wherever Irv and, and Paul were, I'd you know drive out. They they did a lot of remotes. They were great guys, and, and Irv taught me a lot about radio early in my career." Um, I would drive out and I'd do like a seven or eight minute segment talking about where the top football games were. And then Irv wanted me to go out to the local high schools and interview a football coach and a player each week. 
So uh, the first guys that I went to at that day, Rancho Buena Vista over here was a new school. It was a powerhouse. They were killing everybody. And I knew the head coach real well because he'd been at San Diego. So I figured I'm going to start out with somebody that I know that I'm not going to be, you know, struggling interviewing because I know his background and everything. And then he picked this this kid to be uh, his quarterback to be the kid I was going to interview. Well, the, the football coach's name was Craig Bell, but the, the little quarterback has gone on and done pretty well. His name's Dave Roberts, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers now. And little do we know that Dave, Dave, Dave was, was, a, was a quarterback. He was a, a quarterback at Rancho Buena Vista. Really? He played point guard in basketball. Was a center fielder he wasn't, on the he's baseball team. He's not that team. tall, but I mean, no. Yeah. But they ran the option, and he was. He, I mean, he was a real, real talented athlete. So that, that was the yeah, first two people well. I interviewed on Craig Bell and Dave Roberts. Wow. And so I did that, and then the oldie station went, kind of went away. They went to news talk, they went to news, and I really wasn't doing anything. What I was doing, I was working in the corporate development. I was working up uh, with John Lynch and, and doing a bunch of other stuff. They they had to remodel their building. I oversaw that with the construction people. And, and But every day, man, I'm out of there at one o'clock. I gotta go coach. And uh, I mean, John really, just took you in as a oh yeah, well, that's and, a great. St- I didn't oh, know. And we, I didn't know we're that. friends to this day, yeah. and then of course uh, Johnny, you know, you know the story on John. Johnny, you know, was came out of Torrey Pines, went to Stanford as a quarterback, didn't really get much of a chance. Was a baseball player, uh, was playing professional baseball, and then went back because Bill Walsh got the head job, made All American, decided to play in the NFL, and he's in Canton, Ohio now, and the general manager of the Forty ers and his, his other brother, his brother, great talented athlete that I always felt really got the short end of the stick, Ryan Lynch. Ryan played for me for three years, and he was a quarterback, kicker, safety. I mean, he did everything on the football field. And uh, he was an all-CIF baseball player. He went on and pitched at UCLA and then pitched about four years of professional baseball. And he lives up in uh, Beverly Hills now. He's got a beautiful family. And, and is, is John Sr. still? John Sr.'s doing well, and his wife, they just celebrated their 54th anniversary this past week. And they're still living in yeah, San Diego? in the area, yeah. Wow. And uh, no, John Lynch gave me the opportunity, and you know, it was really cool, Ron. I was at a function not uh, too long ago of, of 690, a lot of the guys from 690, and John Lynch was there. and. Uh, He's not a guy that hands out a lot of compliments. And he walked over to me, and I, I don't know, because I, I had a real tight relationship with his sons. I mean, his, his wife will say that I was their second father wow. because we used to actually move into the Lynch's house when they would go out of town, and I would take care of Ryan and, 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 and John just to you know, make sure they were you know, taking care of they, no, the house. No, ra- no down. ragers are going. Right, exactly. And so... But Big John walked over to me at this party not too long ago, and he goes, you know, John, he goes, I'm really proud of you. You've worked really, really hard. You and have. I, and I, he goes, You're I'm amazing. really proud of all your success. And uh, that, 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 that was one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten in my life because he never said stuff like that when I worked for him, ever. And as I say, for people that don't remember the 80s and now are too young to know the 80s and 90s. It was the heyday of radio, and you guys were Yeah, well, you know, when I was on 690... Chet, 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 uh, Chet Forty. Chet Forty helped me you a lot. You've got to have some stories about him. Oh, they're, they're all good stories. You know, Chet, I mean, he overcame a lot in his life. Yes. I mean, he, uh, you know, Chet... Uh, Who was his partner? Who was his... Steve Hartman. Steve Hartman. You know, I can tell you, 
I was notified on a Saturday morning at 8.07 that Chet Forty passed away. Uh, and Lee Hamilton called the house. Uh, and uh, it also happened to be the night of the prom. And Jacqueline, his daughter, was went uh, to Torrey Pines with my daughter. They were in the same grade. Uh, and uh, they were uh, juniors that year. And uh, Jacqueline ended up going to the prom that night after her dad died because she was encouraged to go. But um, the Chet thing really hit me hard. And I'm gonna tell you, one of the stories I'm gonna tell you is I, I got my first talk show in March of 1986, or 96, excuse me, 96. And Chet passed away in May, I think it was, May of 96. So I'd been on the air, you know, for a month or so, and then they moved me, they moved my time slot. I was on really, really late, then I moved up right after Hacksaw. Mm -hmm. And I was driving around on a Friday, and there, a guy called in Steve and Chet's show and was complimenting them on their high ratings. And Chet kind of stopped the guy. You know, he let him get his words out, but he kind of stopped me. He goes, you know, I want to tell you, the ratings came out, and I want to tell you, I'm really proud of Coach Contero, man. His first rating book, he did, a, he did great. And Chet's like, you know, glowing about me. Um, Chet helped me a lot, Ron. He... Uh, he, he knew sounded I, like a good well, guy. Well, a couple things. He knew I was a good guy. He knew I was a hard worker, and he knew I knew sports. And, you know, he was trying to overcome, you know, the gambling addiction. I mean, he lost so much money and lost so much credibility. And, you know, I think what really kind of killed him is I remember one time being at his house because I used to pick him up and take him. We'd go up to Torrey Pines and watch basketball uh -huh. games. I had a relationship with him outside of the, radio. of the radio. And uh, really, I mean, I really loved the guy. And, uh, I mean, Chet had... Um, I mean, give a little background of who Chet was. Well, Chet was uh, the Monday Night Football uh, producer. I mean, he was the guy that was in Howard Cosell's ear telling yep. Howard Cosell that John Lennon died and you better go with it now. Uh, that's, you know, how, he, that's how famous this uh, guy He was. did Olympics. I mean, he was, he was the best producer in sports television. Yep. And, real, uh, real and, and he gambled and, and lost everything. And... You know, even to the day that he died, his wife would, would have to write out like 23 checks a month to different creditors. Wow. And John Lynch gave him an opportunity because nobody else would hire him. Uh, I think what kind of eventually killed Chet was he thought that he was going to get a, a big chunk of, of money from ABC uh -huh. uh, in his retirement, and that didn't come through, and that just like crushed him. And he had some, I mean, he obviously had some heart issues, but... He was just a great guy and, and really was a guy that believed in me. And, um, you know, I, I think it, whenever I think of him, there are nothing but fond memories of him because uh, he, uh, God, we used to go to breakfast on Friday mornings, me and him and Hartman down at uh, Perry's Cafe there, down there on uh, uh, Where, uh, Pacific Highway, uh, right down the street from the California Highway Patrol. Man, some of the stories were classic. <laughs> I mean, just going on appearances with him. You know, we'd drive to Los Angeles in those days because 690 was such a blowtorch. You know, Chet and I would go up there and make appearances for two or three hours, and the people that would show up, I mean, it was just an incredible. He he was really, I mean, Hacksaw obviously had the big name, but Chet Forty was really the personality of 690, to be honest with you. I was still young and, and developing my reputation, but he... Uh, he sure thought a lot of me, and I sure thought a lot of him. So were you doing radio and coaching at the same time? Was there any overlap? Well, what happened is we started a high school show. My first uh, real time on the radio was 1990. Okay. I got called down to John Lynch's office uh, probably in July 
of uh, 19. I, I had quit football. 89 was my last football season. So July of 1990, I'm sitting in my office down there on up with all the corporate guys on the second floor, and I get summoned to Mr. Lynch's office. I go, God, what's this about? <laughs> and he calls me in, and he goes, he goes, hey, we're going to start a high school football show. I go, oh, that's great. I go, that, that's really cool. He goes, well, you're going to be the host. It's going to be on Saturday mornings. And I go, well, you know, I've never been a host before. I go, I've been, you know, the guy that gets interviewed all the time. He goes, oh, it's really simple. He goes, when the red light goes on, you talk. When the red light goes off, you go get a, a drink of water, go to the bathroom, do whatever the hell you want. But when that red light goes back on, start talking again. <laughs> So we started on Saturday mornings, and, and how about this, Ron? The first two or three weeks, I have a guy named Randy Hahn who's going to be kind of the lead guy, and kind of, and I'm going to be the the knowledgeable guy. He's going to be kind of the the setup guy, getting us in and out. So it's Randy Hahn, who to this day is now the voice of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, another guy by the name of Jim Rome ah. was. Uh, the, the anchor for a week. And I used to do shows with him. I used to do high school football games with Jim Rome. And then wow. uh, Brad Sesmat, uh, my buddy uh, from, uh, is over in Arizona now, all three of those guys. I mean, Rome obviously has done great. but So after about three weeks, I go, you know what? You can handle this yourself. So I did that in 1990. But then when this thing really took off, it was 1991. We moved it to Friday night at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock yeah. to 1 o'clock. Yeah. Crazy, okay. No Twitter, no, no, no real internet. We're getting scores from not only San Diego but Orange County, Los Angeles. Anybody we could get scores from, we got, and we had, we were the place. And I did that show, you know, at six ninety, and then when we got let go at six ninety, everybody got let go at six ninety. Basically, uh, we went to ten ninety when John Lynch bought that station. I did that show for twenty five years on Friday night. 20, 25 years. Wow. And for the first five years, I made zero money on it because I just loved high school sports. Then they started actually paying me for it. But, I, you know, I did that year-round. I was doing that show So what, it was, the, was the coach immediate, or did that, did, was it John Well, Gattara what happened or? with the coach, I was doing uh, cable games in North County on Daniel's Cable Vision. <laughs> Again, a name out of the past. Right. And Brad Sesmat, who I mentioned, he's doing, I mean, he's a big name in Arizona now. Him and I are, are really good friends. And we're standing out underneath a goalpost at Vista High School, going to do a Vista High football game. And I think they were playing, maybe they were playing Tory that night. I can't remember. And I'll never forget, Brad came on the air and goes, hey, good evening. Welcome to, you know, Dick Haynes Stadium here on the campus of Vista High School. I'm Brad Sesmat, along with the coach, John Cantera. Uh, it's stuck ever since. Stuck ever since. Okay, so my question, my one question I had to ask is of all the people you've interviewed, and you have interviewed everybody in San Diego sports for sure, do you mm -hmm. have one, I mean, that's, the, that's a classic question, do you have one interview that just overwhelms the, the others? Or Well, I've had a lot of big names. I mean, I've interviewed John Wooden, I've interviewed Herschel Walker, I've interviewed Duke Snyder, uh, obviously Tony Gwynn was a very good personal friend of mine. Uh, but I'll tell you, one of the, the people, and uh, I think a lot of people would be shocked by this, uh, I think one of the most engaging, most informative human beings I've ever talked to in my life is Billie Jean King. And, you know, there was a day where I, uh, I heard that she was going to be out at a, at a 
a resort out in, in Rancho Santa Fe because they were talking about this this tennis team they were bringing to San Diego. And I didn't have to go. And I, I threw a suit on and I drove out there. And when it was all over, I, I go, uh, could I ha- ha- interview you? I still got that interview actually on my phone, Ron. On your phone? On my phone. She was the most engaging, caring, uh, knowledgeable uh, person, and I don't lo- want to demean. I've had a lot of great guests, a lot of huh. really smart people. You've done them all. that I've I've interviewed, but to this day, um, I, and she's probably I can't even think if I've ever oh, I interviewed one other uh, person out of La Costa Maria Sharapova when she was really hot, and I got to uh, interview her one on one, but. Yeah, Billie Jean King was just really, really special. And I, I can't even tell you or begin to tell you how special a lady she is. I was just so impressed with her. In what in what way different from others? Well, she, she's got a, a very soft side to her, but she's very knowledgeable. When she talks, she makes sense. She just doesn't talk to talk. And, uh, you know, it's like when, she, when I was interviewing, you know, some people... They, they'll do the interview, but they may not be as engaging. Uh, she's just a, a wonderful person. I mean, I'm just so impressed with her. Um, you know, there have been several over the years. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different. Players nowadays, they try to stay away from the media, I think, before Twitter. It's hard to build the relationships that we once had. But, um, yeah, she's really special. And I'll tell you, you know, Herschel Walker was real special. He was at the time he was playing for the Dallas Cowboys, and they uh, got him. I don't even know how I got him. I I guess I was just kind of persistent, okay? Because uh, there's certain people I want to interview, and uh, uh, Herschel came on after practice, and he couldn't have been he couldn't have been better. I mean, I was real impressed with him too. But uh, sitting right next to Billie Jean King, man, I'm going to always remember that. I got a picture with her and. And uh, just the, the way she went about her business was just just a real pro. As I said, if you would have said, Ron, think of 100 people, that I would, that would not have been the top of my Well, you know, I think I, I I know, know well, most people, especially in sports talk radio, they look at you as a football, basketball, baseball guy, which I am. Right. But I, I respect so many people in all the different sports, and I know how tough it is to, to get to the pinnacle. And, you know, the I've interviewed hockey guys over the years. Hockey guys are great to interview. They... <laughs> They're they're just happy to you know be playing their sport and drinking a few beers after the and game and have some teeth. Yeah, well, <laughs> well that, that's debatable from time to time. But no, hockey guys are great to interview. So tell us the story that's been in the news the last couple of days with this gentleman in Colorado. I think that's a great story, and I want you to share that. Ron, it's uh, what sports is all about. It's what sports is all about. Uh, this young man, Winton Bernard. Went to Rancho Bernardo High School, had an okay high school career, got one scholarship offer, went to Niagara University, had a really good freshman year. His dad got seriously ill, and he decided to come home and go to Riverside Community College. He played well. Dad was not doing well. Dad eventually passed away. His mom, who was a very good administrator uh, in school districts, told uh, her son, Winton, you need to go back to Niagara. You liked it there. He went back his junior year and just had a miserable season. Uh, I think he had a miserable season uh, for a variety of reasons. Number one, he's a very talented kid, uh, but his head probably wasn't in it. He's very, very close with his mom and dad, and he is with his mom to this day. Uh, his brother, he got two brothers. One uh, is an attorney now who played at New Mexico for Rocky Long and also got some time in the NFL. 
And then his other brother, who's now a police officer in Escondido, he played 15 years of professional basketball in Europe. So the one brother, Walter, who uh, lives in Pittsburgh, but was living here at the time, told his brother, because his brother was just really down about having such a brutal junior year because he wanted to play professional baseball. He goes, there's this guy on the radio that seems to know a lot about baseball. You ought to get a hold of this guy. So at that time, Ron, this is back in like 2011, I was working, and two years prior to that, I had a heart attack, and I was working too much. But anyways, Winton sends me an email, and I don't know Winton Bernard from, you know, whoever. I mean, I I had no idea who this guy was. He goes, Coach Contreras, my name's Winton Bernard. I went to Niagara University. I really need some help on my hitting. So I read this at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I wrote back, uh, went and I go, I appreciate the letter. I go, I'm really busy, but I'll, I'll be more than happy to take a look at you. So I take him up to Torrey Pines. I called the baseball coach at Torrey Pines and said, hey, can you open the case? I need to take a look at a guy. Oh, no problem, coach. So I go up there and went and uh, I meet him up there, and I have no idea what he looks like or anything, but, you know, there are two guys looking to get in the batting cage, so I figured out who he was. So we uh, get in the batting cage, and he's doing everything wrong. He ain't doing anything right. Got an open stance. He doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. And so I go, look, I'll work with you. Because when I went up there that day, I, I, I figured, you know, I'll go up and help the kid, give he didn't him a couple know his of story tips. Or, or... Uh, no, not really. I mean, he told me he had a bad junior year, but I didn't know about his dad and all that until later. And, you know, I, I plan to go up there, try to just give the kid some tips. And, you know, I, you know, he can go on his way and I'll go on my way. And he can always call me if he needs some help. This kid was such a great kid. I go, you know what? I go, I'll work with you. And I don't think, Ron, in all the years I worked with, I don't think I ever charged him a dime. Okay, so anyways, we start working. And he's playing in the Southern California Collegiate League. And he uh, he uh, ends up being the second leading hitter using the wood bat. And this is coming off of hitting 231 in college. And he's playing probably against better players here. And he's hitting 375 after I start working with him. So he goes back to Niagara, has a really good senior year, but two weeks to go in the season, he breaks his hand, breaks mm-hmm. his hamate bone, mm-hmm. which is pretty common in baseball. So I'm trying, I'm trying to gauge interest. And so I call the Padres, and the Padres, they bring him down to the, the tryout camp. They had Max Freed down there. They had Carlos Correa down there, and I take Winton Bernard down there. Well, he can't, he can't hit because his hand's broke, but he could run and he could throw. So he ran the fastest time of anybody there. He ran a 6.4360 and then apologized to the coach saying, I can run faster. And they go, no, that's fine, son. He ended up running faster than anybody there. And then he threw from the outfield and threw real well. Well, make a long story short, he was a 35th round draft pick. Really didn't get much of an opportunity in the Padre organization. And then he bounced around. We got him re-signed with Detroit. And he ended up doing great in the Midwest League, was the MVP batting champ. And then they took him off the 40-man roster. Uh, there was a lot of things. But to end it, he finally is in AAA this year. He'd been in AAA, but hadn't been an everyday guy. This year, he got a chance to play every day. He was leading the Pacific Coast League and hitting, hitting 325, 17 home runs, 74 RBIs, 26 out of 28 uh, stolen base attempts. And I'm saying, Winton. If you can't get called up this year, brother, I go, I don't know if we're ever going to get called up because me and him are in this together. And he's in his 11th year. He gets called up in first game. He gets a, a chop base hit down the line. Uh, they called him out at first, and they reviewed it, and he was safe by two, two steps. 
Then he stole second, scored a run, off to a really good start. He's four for 14 in his big league career. Uh, he's a marvelous kid. He deserved to be in the big leagues. And uh, he, after the first game, he, he sat out there and signed autographs for 30 minutes for the fan. He's that type of guy, you know. He Wherever he plays, Ron, he's the type of guy that uh, the fan, they always vote like the, the favorite player of the year. Winton more times than not gets that fan support because he's just a, a really great really kid nice. and does things in the community. And, and you were there. You got I, to... I got to go, yeah. I, uh, I uh, found out uh, on uh, Thursday, I was dropping my granddaughter off from volleyball. I was driving through a Carl's Jr. to go home and watch that cornfield game. And Winton calls us, Coach, Coach, I got, I got called up. I got called up. I'll call you back. <laughs> and he was a lot of things were happening at that time. But no, I got there in time to watch the game on, on Friday. Uh, he played. He didn't play Saturday, and then I, I came home on Sunday morning. But he played on, on Sunday, and he's played a couple games in St. Louis. Had a good series in St. Louis. He went three for seven, uh, swinging the bat really well. And you know, I talked to him this morning. We talk almost every day. Oh, that's great. And his mother, uh, when she didn't know that I was coming. And she happened to be on the same flight as me, and I didn't know that. And when I got off the flight, she started crying, and she was telling the people who were sitting next to me how after her husband passed away, I became Winton's father. father. And uh, it's it's a great story. I mean, it's stuff you, you watch on the big screen, to be honest with you. Well, Coach, we could spend four years talking about your who you talk to, what you do, your work ethic, your passion for what you do, all the things you have helped people with and continue to do. I hope you continue to be that voice on the radio. You're just a real superstar in what you do, and I congratulate you for all your success. So well, thank thanks. you. And I can tell you right now, we, we can att- when I say John Contera, everybody who has any knowledge of anything about sports in San Diego... We love the coach. We love the coach. So if you ever are looking to do more, uh, go out and bring the radio out onto the, um, out, what are they, so not satellite, well, not satellites, but on, on the road. Right. Again, we have plenty of places that would cherish to have you come. Well, I always enjoy being out with people. I mean, I, you know, I, my mom and dad, I go back to my mom and dad, Ron. They were really active in our community. Uh, my dad was a member of the American Legion. He was a um, charter member of the uh, Encinitas uh, Elks Lodge back in the early 60s. And so, you know, I'm used to going out to community events. And, you know, that's, you know, what, what you need to do. You need to give back. And, um, you know, I like to share my experiences. You know, a lot of people, you know, I, I just look at them as I'm just a lucky guy. I mean, I've worked hard. I've been around good people. Uh, but it all comes down to, you know, respecting people you work with, uh, respect, you know, the kids that I coach, their parents, and, you know, just, uh, you know, try to live a good, clean life and, and, and be more of a giver than a taker. And you've done that beautifully. And I thank you for coming on today. It's oh, been anytime. A, it's been an honor. Well, it's uh, good seeing you, good too. Good to see you. It's been, you know, the COVID thing kind of put a damper on all that. Yeah, I kind so, of lost two years there. Yeah. Kinda, I'm not sure what happened before or after COVID. <laughs> But it's nice to have you back on the radio. We're hoping the Padres uh, pull it out, and I know you they have, have your, some work to do. They have some work to do. Maybe that'll be of another, you know, another a World Series ring in in San Diego. Good. Maybe we can have a postseason uh, Padre uh, podcast. Uh, gosh, living in San Diego is. Thanks, Ron. Thank you, Coach. You're Great. welcome. Thank you for having me.